Navigating Business Podcast, where we dive into the lives and stories of small business owners from around the country to learn what's worked, what hasn't, and everything else in between. Our goal here is to share as much high-quality business information as possible. And the best part is, it's all by business owners for business owners. Everything here is all about small business. We're here today with Ugo Perez, the founder of Local Boy. Ugo formulates marketing frameworks that deliver long-term strategic value and leverage innovative approaches that accelerate business results and provide next-level ideation to achieve business goals. Ugo, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity to spend some time with you. Yeah, for sure. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your business, and I definitely would love to learn a little bit more about the thought process behind the name of your company as well. Sure. So Local Boy is a boutique creative consultancy based in Chicago. We focus on helping brands figure out the common thread of their story. What makes them who they are? What's their North Star? What's their driving force? What's their ethos? Lots of different ways to come across it. But basically, what's the heart of what it is that you do and why you do it? And then once we uncover that, we help people then bring that to life across a variety of different ways, you know, any channel, any medium, any, any style to make sure that it impacts and hits audiences in the way that they want them to be engaged. Very cool. And I love what you said about helping kind of distill down the idea of what does your business actually do and how do you talk about it? So speaking of that, yeah, where does, where does Local Boy come from? Well, Local Boy comes from the idea that sometimes you just need someone that gets what the real consumer feels and thinks and experiences. It's someone that's just like you and me. I've spent the majority of my career working for global corporations, multinational organizations um, that focus on such a broad, big picture. And I thought there, there was a need for someone that could say, I get it from the point of view of the consumer. I'm a local guy just like you would be. And so that's the approach that I try to take when I engage with my clients. It's really cool. So building some of that trust right away instead of kind of dealing with the um, faceless corporate entity, like like you said in your in your past, maybe you felt a little bit more like that, being a big part of a conglomerate. So it's cool to, yeah, be on the local side. So as business owners, you know, we have a lot of continued learning, right? There's always, you're always learning new things, always learning new ways to interact with clients and customers and things like that. What's a, a realization you've come across that's helped you get better results for your clients in your business? Well, I've had lots of opportunities for many realizations over my career. I think at the heart of it, what most brands, companies, individuals miss is why they do what they do. What's the impact? What's the value that they're giving? We tend to focus more on the product or the offering or our position, but we don't understand why it matters. And I think once you start really understanding the impact that you can have in someone's life, then you start really reframing how you position yourself and how you engage because it's no longer about, let me just sell a widget. It's about, let me give you something that's going to make your life better. And that tends to have a stronger impact in, in getting clients to engage with you and getting consumers to really feel like this is worth it. This is something I want in my life. It's really interesting. So kind of taking the thought and the interest away from just doing the sale to do the sale, but actually thinking about how this is actually going to improve life, both for you and the client. Am I hearing you right in that? That's correct. Um, more and more as we learn about brands and how they consumers, how people like to engage with them, we realize that people want experiences that feel relatable. 
and if you look at your own life and you think about what is a relatable experience for you, it's when someone's engaging with you in a way that you feel like you're taking something away and it's worth your time. When you hang out with your friends, when you hang out with a loved one, you know, you don't go in there saying, man, I hope that they give me X, Y, and Z. But you, what you <laughs> do is you walk away saying, man, I really enjoyed that time because it was meaningful. It gave me a memory. It gave me an experience. It gave me a feeling. And so when we replicate kind of that approach in our marketing, all of a sudden we, we transcend. We're not just trying to get you to look at my product. I'm getting you to understand that I see you and I'm trying to deliver something that's going to make your life better. So it switches the equation, which again, deepens client engagement. That's really interesting. So taking it away from the transactional nature of that we often view marketing and sales in and you know the specific concrete return on investment, I've gotten this many of this metric and this many of this metric to actually thinking about how is this actually changing the client's life and what are they taking away from that? I like that. That's that's a pretty yeah. deep way to think about it, but it's pretty transformational. It's pretty interesting. So, and, and, you, you could, and you'd be surprised at how many people and how many brands really just don't think that way at all. This is why it's been lots of fun for me to be a consultant and be in this space as, as a strategist, because in, in many ways, the work that I'm doing is elementary. It's like, of course you should be doing this. But so many brands and organizations and people and individuals and thought leaders and everything just forget to think in that way. So I work just to bring them back to where they should be. That makes me think of, uh, I was looking at your LinkedIn profile and your, your cover image was left brain, right brain. And the right brain had all the creative colors and swirls and the left brain had kind of more matter of fact writing. And that, that makes me think of kind of that comparison because, you know, so many of us who are not marketers and don't think that way, that just, I don't know if anything we'd ever get to that you know, I don't know if we'd ever get to that point of thinking that way. So it's super helpful to have someone come in who has maybe more of the creative right brain side of things and is able to say, wow, just think about this in a different way. And that can be pretty transformational as far as marketing goes. So that's, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out because I think all of us have the ability to dip into both sides. Obviously, because of skill set and background and ability, we're going to gravitate one way or the other. What I try to bring to the table is a unifying of both sides because human beings are not just one-sided or the other. You know, I, I think often like, you know, sometimes I have financial clients that they're like, well, we're just boring money guys. We don't, we don't think creatively, but they do think creatively. They just see it through the lens of finance, through the lens of numbers, through the lens of dividends or returns. That's a creative expression as well. So my job is to help them see how we can make that palatable. We can make that engaging. We can make that exciting or interesting or compelling. It doesn't matter where it's coming from. It matters how you approach it. Yeah, that's really true. As one of those I would self-describe myself as a boring money person. I don't often feel very creative, you know, especially when I'm thinking about the world of marketing or expanding the business through, you know, advertising or content or things like that. But you're totally right. When I'm thinking about the part of my job that is looking at financial statements or trying to solve a client's problem financially, there's a lot of creativity that happens in there. I just don't necessarily think about it as that. So that's, that's a pretty cool piece in it. Yeah, it makes me realize, okay, maybe there's a little bit of right brain going on in the left brain you know, the left brain doesn't, doesn't hold all the, all the power there. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. So thinking about um, your switch, kind of like you said, from corporate world, working with the large companies to, to starting local boy and being an entrepreneur, what's that switch been like? And, and what insights can you give us from that? Well, you know, like with any major change that you make, there's the good and the bad. The good part is I really like being my own boss and setting my own schedule, my own timelines, 
people that would know me um, well would say that I'm a bit of a workaholic. So I really enjoy the process of what I do and the, and the lifestyle that it takes to do this. So I don't consider myself a workaholic. I consider myself a passionate um, storyteller and creative. I just can't help but see the world within the framework of what I do. So being my own boss, I get to do this all the time, wherever I want, whenever I want. Plus, I get to, by and large, choose my clients that I get to work with. Part of why I wanted to go on my own is because I was tired of having a new business team that would just just throw something over the wall and say, here's your next one. I wanted to be a part of choosing. I wanted to be the engaged in deciding what kind of ideas and projects and opportunities I wanted to pursue, which is great. The negative side of that is also tied into the same ideas. It's really hard to go find your own clients. <laughs> it's, it's really hard then to manage the entire process. I lean on the creative side. I know the business aspects and, and stuff that needs to happen. I just don't prefer those. But when you're an entrepreneur, you don't have a choice. You better be good at that stuff. I tried going on my own about 15 years ago, and I quickly failed because I forgot to like invoice my clients. This time around, I'm a little more well-versed and prepared and, you know, life experience to realize, well, without an invoice, you're really not going to do this work for a long time. (laughs) You're going to have happy clients, but you're not going to be in business very long. Exactly. And trust me, the clients that weren't invoiced, they kept asking for the work. They were happy about that. (laughs) I'm sure. No, that's, that's really intriguing. So yeah, I think the the part of being able to choose your own clients and being able to turn away clients, you know, maybe say, Hey, go maybe work with these other people and say, it might be a better fit. I think that's one of the probably lower key, but one of the better parts of being your own boss is you do have that selection. So you don't have to work with everyone that walks in your door. I mean, as long as you know, you have at least enough money to come in to pay the bills and and such. That's a really cool piece to bring up because I think that is a really great part when it's used right as a business owner, you can say, I'm only going to work with people who are in this niche or who have this interest or who communicate in this way. And it really can provide some really helpful, I guess, work-life balance in some ways, but kind of like you said, it makes it so that you can be passionate and spend the time on the projects you want to be working on instead of just working for the sake of working. Yeah. Instead of work-life balance, I like to um, describe it as harmony. I like to find harmony in my life. And when I work with the clients that I choose and I turn to choose purpose-driven clients or at least clients that are very motivated to not just turn a quick dime, but to want to have a positive value into the lives of their, of their customers. When I do that, then the harmony that I find is it's okay for me to work 60 hours a week because I can also dip in and do other things in between there because I'm my own boss, but because they're clients that I choose and I'm running my own ship. I'm not doing it the same way that I used to where I had to go nine to five. I often, you know, go and run in the morning and then, you know, I'll take a break in the afternoon and go run, but I'll also work till like two in the morning. And I'm totally okay with that because I'm in control of that environment. And you hit it right in the head there. It's also providing better work for your clients as well. So it's, it's not only providing harmony and I like how you said that for yourself and for your schedule and your life and your business, but also your clients are now having someone who's totally interested in their work, who's putting everything that they have into it, instead of maybe working with someone who is only working with them because they know, you know, they're going to get some invoices and some payments from them. So it's really helpful on both sides of it. The work is better that is being provided. And the entrepreneur is also having better harmony in their situation in their life. So yeah, that's a, that's a great way of putting it. I never feel like I'm really working nowadays because I love what I do and I've chosen who I'm working with. So it just feels fun. 
that doesn't mean that there aren't days that I'm really busy and really slammed or weeks that I'm like, ah, I need a little breather. (laughs) That's life. But I rarely have a night that I go to bed where I'm like frustrated or mad about my day. It's more like, man, I'm glad I got to use my skills and my talents Mm. and my creativity. So it's really exciting. That's encouraging to hear as a, as a business owner and as our listeners, if they're thinking about starting a business, I think that's something especially encouraging to hear as well. So you've talked about a lot of really strong areas in your business. What's an area that you'd like to see better results in? Well, I, I'd like to grow a little bit bigger so that I could hand off some of the behind the scenes stuff that I don't particularly enjoy. Right now, thanks to automation and technology, it's handled. You know, I use FreshBooks for my accounting. I use Gusto for my taxes and liabilities. I use Basecamp to manage projects. Um, So all that's manageable. I just wish that I didn't have to manage it and had someone else on my team. So growing to a point where I feel comfortable enough handing that off would be lots of fun as a next step. Yeah, for sure. And I like, I like what you said, lots of fun. You know, it, I think sometimes we see growth as something that needs to happen and then something that is uncomfortable because we have to, you know, hire people and it gets uncomfortable. But like you said, when you get to that point where you can start offloading and contracting out some of that work, you get to keep the things that you want to do and get rid of the things that you don't want to do, which is, I mean, that's the beautiful part of business ownership. There's a lot of great parts and a lot of hard parts, but when you can start specifically saying, I don't want to do this and I do want to do that, that's pretty, pretty great. And I think that's something a lot of business owners aspire to get to that point. So indeed, yeah, yeah that's what we can all hope for. Yeah. So, Cause I know that there's people like, you know, like you, you, you like numbers. So I know that I'm going to find someone at some point that's going to love the numbers of my business and it's going to be very satisfied and happy and content working on that part. I can't wait to give that part to them and bring joy <laughs> into their life. You know, one of the things I really love about the business world is that there are people that are so different and have such different passions. Because like you said, even just the two of us having this conversation, we both probably really enjoy two different sides of the business, right? I love the back end of the business. I love even the admin pieces, like paying my estimated taxes is actually fun for me, which is the most (laughs) lame thing. You know, whereas obviously you're coming from a lot more creative side of things and enjoying different parts of the marketing and the, the vision and things like that. But I mean, that's the beautiful thing of the business community is that all the people with all the different gifts can uh, work those together in a lot of ways, which is, which is fun to see. So speaking of kind of business growth and development, what are some of the ways that you practice business development? I mean, in business growth, there's so many resources, whether they're books, podcasts, trainings, but what are a couple that have been powerful for you? Yeah. You know, I, I wish I had more time to just market my own business. Cause I, I think that'd be fun, but I've been very fortunate to have a, a great word of mouth from my existing clients and connections that have brought business to me. But in order to make sure that I'm contributing and engaged and still am out there, I participated in panels and podcasts and interview series as often as I can and as often as someone invites me. Not, not only because I think that's a great opportunity for lead generation for business, but because I want to always be the kind of creative and the kind of talent that is contributing back to the world around me. So I want to contribute to the discussion and the dialogue that's happening around ideas and trends and best practices. I don't just want to sit on the sidelines and feed off what's happening there. I, I want to be a contributor. And so I do a lot of speaking to do that. And then along the way, in order to be well prepared, I read voraciously from a wide range of sources. I, I'm, I'm a big believer of feeding your soul with the stuff that is going to inspire ideas. So I read magazines and books and trade journals and blogs and all sorts of stuff because I just want to have 
insights and, and material and ideas coming from all over the place. It's funny how many of those ideas that you put into your mind later on as you're thinking of stuff start coming out at, you know, and start inspiring the things that you end up doing. That's really great. Now, my question is, along with that, where do you find the time to do that? Is that something that you schedule in? This is my time where I'm going to start reading some of these journals and books and things like that. Or is it something that you, you know, just piece in wherever it fits or how does that work? Yeah, I, I wish I had more of a set schedule. But what I try to do is if you were to come to my house, I have little pockets everywhere of stacks of stuff. So if I'm sitting around somewhere, it might just be my own neurosis. I don't like just sitting there and doing nothing. I always want to have something going on. So I have a stack of magazines that I've curated that when I have a moment and I'm sitting there, I'm going to read an article and move on. I read every pause that I can, wherever I can. I start all my mornings. I watch national news for about 30 minutes. I check emails and then I go and I do exercise and I meditate and I do faith-based things in terms of prayer and stuff like that. And then I get into my day. So hmm. I do have some organization and I include a variety of different means of getting insights into my life, but it, it's not super, super scheduled. The other part is I never turned down an opportunity to talk or hang out with someone. So if a friend, a colleague, a neighbor, I'm an adjunct professor at a couple of colleges. If any of my students reach out and say, hey, can we talk? Absolutely. I will drop everything for a conversation because I think the conversations, the one-on-one -on -one engagements are where you have the best opportunity to be inspired. I totally agree. I think those conversations are so essential and not something you can necessarily plan out. Like you said, those are going to be the things that are going to start bringing new insights into how you do life, into how you do business. And the idea of having the the resources and the readings kind of scattered around the house in different places, that's really interesting. And I, I like that because you don't have to go out and seek it out. But wherever you are, it's it's already there, ready for you. So it's easy to uh, read an article or read a couple pages. So that's a pretty cool idea. I might have to also try that. So I appreciate that idea. Sure. Well, Hugo, it's been great. I love the way that you think about business, the way you think about life, and uh, has definitely yeah made me think about my business and the way I conduct even professional development a little bit differently. So Thanks for being on the, on the podcast with us today. My pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity. And, you know, I encourage you and, you, and your listeners to just keep going at it and, and make every effort to contribute and give back a little bit to the world around us. Definitely. I love that. Well, we're going to have information about Local Boy uh, in the description below. So if you want to check out Ugo and his company and, and what he's doing, we'll have the links to social media, website, things like that. So you can check him out on there. Thanks for checking in with us today on the Navigating Business Podcast. <music>